This podcast is brought to you by BrunerAcademy.com, your online resource for the best public speaking, presentation, storytelling skills courses. Become a rock star communicator in any setting. Visit BrunerAcademy.com. Hello, everyone. Thanks for tuning in to Live Your Best Life with Liz Bruner. I'm Liz, and my goal with each episode is to share stories of people who are recreating their lives or rising above challenges to write their next chapters with authenticity. These stories give me the courage to go after living my best life, and I think they will do that for you, too. If you like this episode, please leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you listen to the show so this podcast can continue to inspire next chapters all over the world. My guest today admits she did not grow up saying she wanted to be an entrepreneur. Far from it. In fact, she went into sales for a tech company. But this millennial turned her side hustle into a million-dollar bona fide business. Christina Party is the founder of Stick, an apparel company that offers sustainably sourced, beautifully hand-knit products. She now has partnerships with many professional sports teams and even designed and created apparel for the USA Beijing Olympics team. Christina, welcome to my podcast. Thank you so much. And thank you for that lovely introduction. Thank you for having me. I'm delighted to have you here, but you got to first explain the name STIC and what it stands for. I'm going to let you handle that one. <laughs> the acronym is STIC, but it stands for shit that I knit, um, which, you know, for most people, 99% of the percent of people that I run into love the name, the 1% who don't love it. I'm like, eh, maybe we're not friends, um, but <laughs> it's okay. It's really because I, I grew up knitting. I love to knit and my sisters were making fun of me when I was in college and said, you're such a loser. You should start a website called Shit That I Knit. And I did. And here we are a long time later. <laughs> so. A long time later. But where did that passion for knitting come from? We spend our summers up in Cape Breton, Nova Scotia. And that's where my, my dad's family is from. There's not a lot to do up there. It's a beautiful place. Highly recommend visiting, but it can be quite quiet. And so my mom had three young children and thought, you know what? Why don't I teach them how to knit on a rainy day? And so I learned when I was about 10 years old. And I just love doing things with my hands. I also love doing ceramics. You know, I just, I'm sort of that type of a person. And so it really stuck with me. And I kept up the hobby through middle school and high school and college. And it's something I just turn to when I kind of need to decompress. So it's always been something I love to do. It's very cathartic, I think, because I also have knitted in years past. I'm not doing anything right now, but I have in the past, so I get it. So you create this blog that your sisters suggest. You do this in college. And so you managed to take the blog and what was the side hustle and turned it into a business. How did that happen at Sowa Market in 2014? Oh, gosh, it's so it feels like so long ago. Um, but <laughs> I, you know, graduated from school. It was sort of became my fun fact. I, as you mentioned, I got into a tech sales job. It was just like, I don't know what to do with my life. So I'll I'll go into sales. My dad always told me I'd be good at that. So it was really my creative outlet. And so when someone would say like, let's play an icebreaker game. And I'd be, I'd say, I'm Christina, I'm 22. And I have a knitting blog called Shit That I Knit. That was just sort of my fun fact. And then when Instagram really started taking off, that's when I took the quote unquote blog that really no one read and got the Instagram handle. And it was a really easy way for me to share what I was up to and what I was knitting and be creative. People at work were like, can I buy a headband? Can I buy a hat? You know, how do I do that? And so I just was figuring out how do I take this from something that I'm just gifting to everyone to actually maybe making a little bit of money 
And that's what inspired me to go to the market in, in the fall of 2014 at SOA over in the South End. And at that market, it was really interesting for me to see how people would walk by my booth. And by the way, my, my mom was incredibly helpful through this time because we actually knit inventory all summer long to sell at this market. So I was very thankful for her help. Um, but we were sitting there at this market and had a really bad sign that I made at Vista Print and a couple little knickknacks on the table. But people would walk by and, and really like nudge a friend and say, gosh, that's such a funny name. Come over and love the product. And that's when just got my wheels turning that maybe this could be something more than just an Instagram handle. And I should share with people who are not from the Boston area, Boston, Massachusetts, SOA is this wonderful market that they have, particularly in the summertime. And there are all kinds of wonderful people who are there who have their wares there. So I think it's amazing that that's kind of where you got your start. But what gave you the courage, Christina, to say, OK, I think I'm ready to quit my day job and go full time into building this company? Because that's a scary, scary thing. Yeah, really scary. So at the time I was, I had been doing this since like the fall of 2014 until the spring of 2015. I was really focused on it. And I actually found a group of women in Boston to knit for me to keep up with the holiday demand. So people would come to my parents' house in Beacon Hill, pick up yarn, go home and knit it and bring back a finished product. I felt like I had momentum there. I felt like I had momentum on the Instagram. I came to my parents basically because I was still, you know, 25 years old. I still felt like I needed their permission. I said, my fear of regret is bigger than my fear of failure. And I really meant that. I really thought, what if I look back on this in a year or two years or 20 years from now and say, I really had something that I was passionate about, but I didn't do it because I was too afraid of failing. And so I just said to my parents and they agreed. They said, yeah, go for it. You know, and so I decided I'll give myself a year. I'll know in a year if this is working or not. I had some money saved up. I ended up having to move home with my parents. So that's kind of tough as a 25 year old, but not so bad. They were great roommates and made delicious dinners. But I just was like, you know what? I'm going to give it a shot. And if it, if I fall on my face, I'll go get another sales job. Here I am coming up on eight or nine years later. So you first started working with a lot of women in Boston who were knitting. And then you began outsourcing to a group of women in Peru. And now there are hundreds of women assisting you in making these products. Why this particular group of women in Lima, Peru? So we started with a group in Boston, which is wonderful and a really great way for me to dip my toe into production beyond just me and my mom making things. But it, it wasn't scalable and I was spending so much of my time on quality control and figuring out how to get the product made. I wasn't really doing where my best skill set is, which is in the sales and business development and being creative on growing the business. I get a lot of my yarn from Peru. If there are any knitters listening, the best merino comes from Peru if you're a a self-proclaimed yarn snob like me you want this like really nice yarn if you're going to take all the time to knit a product. That's where I started looking was like, where can I get this merino wool and also have something made? And I, I have no connections to Peru. My Spanish is very bad unless I have a glass of wine and, you know, get, get my second grade Spanish back out there. I actually started Googling things and found a nonprofit that's based in Colorado and she connects artisan groups to brands. And I called this woman out of the blue and said, how do you do something like this? And she sat with me on the phone for a little while and was like, I know a great group and connected us and we still work with them today. So at the time, it was just two women who had their own similar business making hats in Peru, but had so many knitters they wanted to give more work to. So they were starting to take on clients. My first order was 500 units. I ordered 500 hats. That's all I did. And I was like, okay, we'll see how this goes. And it was frightening. I mean, I sent down all of my money and today we employ about 400 women. It's a, a much different operation today. It's a little bit overwhelming to go and visit. 
It's extraordinary, though. And think of what you are contributing to their own economy and to their families as well. And I do know that your products are handcrafted. You use eco-friendly, sustainably sourced materials. Why is that so important to you? I mean, I really care about not only what I'm creating and putting out into the world, but where is it going to go next? And I, I think when you buy one of our products, you know you can wear it year over year and season over season. And it's something that is just super high quality, really warm, performs really well. And on top of all that is really cute. Plus, you love the way that it was made. I feel really strongly, especially after making these things with my own hands that I, it was like such an odd thing at first for me to not be making them anymore, but to know that they're still being handmade and still being made in a similar way where we employ these women who can knit from home. They don't have to go to a factory. They're there taking care of their kids. They can knit a couple of hats during the day and bring in incremental income. And it's so important to me and it's so important to our customer. I don't think that will ever change whether we are always in Peru or not. We could go to different Southern American countries, but it is just really important to me. Well, seven years into your business, you became an official licensee of Team USA that was headed to the Beijing Olympics. How did that happen? <laughs> oh, it's like a wild story, but I, and something I'm so incredibly proud of, but we happened to meet the head of apparel for the USOPP back in 2017. He just happened to come into one of our pop-up shops in New York and his friend was with him and she nudged me and said, he's kind of important. And I got his card. And at the time, it was me and Sarah, who was a, a BC student and an intern, turned my first employee. And so just <laughs> the two of us, my mom, and then a couple of knitters. And I had no business pitching him on this idea, but I went for it and stayed on him for about four years. You know, we made samples, we followed up, we thought about how this could work. And I think we just kind of wore them down at the end of the day, but jumped through a lot of hoops. It was, it's a, a big process to become a partner of Team USA. And it was such an honor and, and an odd year to be partnered because of COVID and the regulations. So no one could really go, but we were able to get our beanies and our mittens to almost all the athletes and to their families. We figured out watch parties and got really creative on the marketing. And um, it was just such a great, such great national exposure for us as a small brand. And now what's so great is you have all these partnerships with many professional teams as well. Who are you working with? So after the success of Team USA, I really started looking into licensing as a way to grow the business just because it's such a great way to get in front of more people. And we signed a contract with the NFL last fall. So we work with all the NFL teams, a multi-year contract with them. We have extended our contract with Team USA. So we'll be working on Paris 24 and Milan 26. And then we're working with individual hockey teams. We're adding them to the list. It's really exciting. Uh, I've become very much a sports person all of a sudden. <laughs> if you weren't before, you are now, right? <laughs> <laughs> My husband was like begging me to watch an NFL game before this. And now I'm like, I'm glued to the TV. I was so sad when the season was over. I was like, oh my God, what are we going to do on Sunday? <laughs> well, I want to make sure that our audience knows you don't only sell winter apparel. What other products are you offering? Yes. So we do primarily sell winter apparel. It is definitely our biggest season is is between you know November and February is really when we, we do our bread and butter, which is our winter accessories. But we do do other things in the summer and spring months. So we have these beautiful Pima cotton sweaters right now, alpaca wraps, hand-woven clutches, bucket hats that are made with Pima cottons. We do try to stay present in the summer and, and test out new products, but we're best known for our beanie at the end of the day. Well, we have plenty of time for that coming up, that's for sure. You began this business in 2015, and really, I mean, just hearing your story, it is an, an incredible American success story, carving out a niche in an apparel market that is not easy to enter, and one that's been profiled in Vogue and Forbes and the New York Times, just to name a few. 
What are some of the lessons, Christina, you have learned along the way and advice that you would share to anyone who's considering turning their side hustle into a business? Gosh, I mean, I think that 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 point we talked about before, just about the fear of regret being bigger than the fear of failure. I think if you do have a side hustle and you're hoping to go for it, my advice is to go for it. I mean, as long as you have a plan and you're ready to go for it, it it is a really scary thing. And if you're in the right position to do that, then jump. And jump when you're not totally ready, because I think that's something that holds people up is that it's got to be perfect. You have to have everything figured out. I mean, I am learning on the fly constantly. I say that everyone on my team here in Boston is an entrepreneur because they don't have someone who's telling them how to do it. I don't know. I'm like, I don't know what we're doing. Let's just figure <laughs> out how to get the money our way. So jump and pull your parachute as you're going down. I think that's what Sarah Blakely says. So that's one piece of advice. And then the other sort of motto that I always say and that my dad told me when I was in sales is no asking, no getting. And so I'm always willing to to ask. And so that's how I've gotten some really big meetings that have been way above my pay grade and I have no business being there. But if you don't ask, the answer is no. And so I'm always a proponent for reaching out and politely, you know, I'm not saying asking for ridiculous things, but but just saying, you know, would you meet with me? Would you have coffee with me? Would you consider taking on my line? Would you try to get the sale. I'm always willing to go for it. And if they say no, they say no, move on. What's interesting about all of that too, Christina, I think is that a lot of times we don't go after things because we haven't crossed all the T's and dotted all the I's or we're suffering from imposter syndrome. I've suffered it myself from time to time. I know you've talked about it as well. So how have you worked through those imposter syndrome moments when they do pop up? Well, I sometimes do the superwoman stance, right? Or in the bathroom right before and put my hands on my hips. I just think it gets better. And I'm sure as you know, I mean, and I talk about this a lot in in continuing to scare myself and continuing to, to put myself in uncomfortable positions because I think it's a muscle you need to work and just be comfortable being uncomfortable. And I think I've been uncomfortable now for eight years where I'm more comfortable being uncomfortable. I think everyone feels that way. I just was at a lunch yesterday with Katie Couric and someone asked her, you know, when are you scared? And she, and she still gets scared. She's Katie Couric. You know, still gets nervous on live TV and, you know, which questions are coming up. And every range of person, with, no matter where they are on the success scale, you get nervous and, and have that feeling. But you just have to sort of fake it till you make it. And, and then all of a sudden you're there. You're like, oh, OK. So much truth to that. Absolutely. Giving back to your community, I know, is also very important to you. And you've created the knit kits. What are they and how did that come about? So as you mentioned before, knitting is very cathartic and definitely is something that if you want to sort of turn your brain off, you can go to it. I don't think it's something I really realized until I was in my early 20s and a friend of mine was diagnosed with leukemia and her friends asked me, can you come over and teach Annie how to knit for a couple hours? So I went over, brought a bunch of knitting kits for her and her friends and her mom and a couple of her mom's friends. And her mom turned to me at the end of the night and said, Christina, this is the first, the first time I haven't thought about Annie's cancer in months. Those are two hours I could just sort of, it's truly the first time. And so it really got me thinking. And I reached out to a yarn supplier called Lion Brand about donating yarn. And they were fully on board. And I put together these kits. And we reached out to Dana-Farber and a, another, a couple of other cancer hospitals. And they all were very excited about this. And I think one thing that we decided early on is that I wanted to sort of serve my peers. So working directly with the young adult programs, sort of an underserved and difficult age group because you don't really know where to put them. And so we donate these to young adult programs all over the country. And it's something that you should be able to do from anywhere. So 
we send off the kit and they can log on and watch videos. So they don't need to go to classes where they could be immunocompromised situations. And it's just been a huge hit. And whether they just get the kit and it says, give a shit knit kit and they laugh, who cares? If that's as far as they get, I don't care. Or they might learn how to knit a hat and have a great time. So you brought a smile to their face and that's the most important thing, right? Just a moment of reprieve. You've also been a board member for the nonprofit Runway for Recovery. Why this charity? Um, Olivia Ottmeyer, who is the head of Runway, is an old friend of mine. She taught me or she coached my field hockey team in high school. Um, and I actually volunteered at one of the first Runway events ever, which was hosted at the Concord Country Club. And it's such a great program where they are raising money for families affected by breast cancer. So if someone is battling uh, late stages of breast cancer or has recently passed, it's a way to support those families with summer camp, tutoring, grocery delivery, cleaning services, anything to help the caregivers of, um, of those families. And it's it's just such an amazing organization to be involved with. So not only am I on the board, but Ship Knit attends every year and we sell beanies there and donate 40% of our proceeds from the night back to Runway. And it's just been a, a part of our business model for the past eight years. We're like, okay, when's Runway scheduled for? We're going to be there. And it's a really great night. I love that you give back in so many ways. As a mom of two young ones, you've been vocal about how hard it is to be a mom and run a business. <laughs> what advice do you have for other parents out there, moms and dads, about how to find that balance if there is even such a thing? Definitely there is no such thing as the balance. I think I've just given myself grace. My sister is a yogi and she always talks about some big yogi that she loves who talks about having burners on like a stove. And that's sort of how I visualize it. And I'm like, you can't have all the burners on at the highest level all the time that I turn things down. And so sometimes that might be like my mom burners way up and my friend burner is, but work is turned down a little bit. And maybe I'm not exercising as much as I'd like to be. And just recognizing that there's just these different seasons of life that you just can't do it all. And so I try to give myself as much grace as I can. And the other thing that I talk about a lot and I, I feel strongly about is, is giving credit to childcare. And I have such an, we as a family have such an amazing nanny who's such a part of our family who allows me to be a wonderful mother. I'm so grateful to her as well and to my parents who are so helpful. And How are you now living your best life, Christina? I think I'm just really enjoying being a mom. I'm loving having these two little kids and, and just trying to drink them in every moment I get. And I'm really putting myself out there every day at work. I, I can't say that I'm I'm not trying at all and, and really going for it. So I'm hoping to live my best life. I don't know if I always am, but doing my best. Well, I think it, it's like the burner analogy that you just shared with us. It's like, yes, some days we're on top of the world and other days it's like, I don't know what I'm doing, <laughs> right? Yeah. You have such a wonderful celebrity following. I know that Katie Couric's a big fan. You just mentioned her and having lunch with her. So how and where can we get your products? What's the website? Shitthatiknit.com is our website, or you can just Google knit shit or shit knit and it'll pop right up. We're usually <laughs> the top result. We've got a great Instagram account and that's just at shit that I knit. So that's another place. And then in person here in Boston, we have a wonderful partner in Whitney and Winston over in Beacon Hill. They have all of our things. And then you can find us at Nordstrom. We'll be new to Bloomingdale's this year. We're all over the place and a lot of different specialty stores all over the country as well. All very exciting. Christina, I'm just thrilled for your success, and I appreciate you sharing your story with us today on how you followed your passion of knitting, how you're living your best life as best as you can on every single day. So thank you very much for being here today. Thank you so much, Liz. I really enjoyed our conversation, and I so appreciate you having me on your show. And thanks to all of you. May Christina's story inspire you to consider, hmm, maybe I too can turn my side hustle into a business. 
and live my best life. Wishing all of you the courage, the courage to consider what your next chapter might be. Until next time, be well. This podcast is brought to you in part by Fast Twitch Media, helping people tell their stories and giving them worldwide reach. The future is in the cloud and Fast Twitch Media can take you there. Be your best digital self. Check out fasttwitchmedia.space.